PXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. Welcome into another edition of the Stripe Show podcast. It is a froggy Wednesday. Today we are joined by Nick Hardy coming off his best PGA Tour finish yet, a T5 at the Sanderson Farms Championship. What's going on, Nick? Not much. Thanks for having me on, Froggy. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you know what? Yeah, just last week, really big week for you. I know that uh, not your first year on tour. You were on, on last year, um, had some up and down finishes, but then to come back, Ford and that was the first season, uh, first event of the season. Then you played the second event, the Sanderson Farms, had a really great finish. What what was clicking for you? Uh, you know, this last week, I, I was hitting the ball great. Uh, I finished number one in uh, strokes gained approach uh, in, in for the event. So wow. I was definitely hitting the ball great, hitting it well off the tee. And that's a key in Jackson. Playing out of the rough there is really tough. Can't get the ball close from out of the rough. So um, it, was, it was a key uh, to hit the ball well, and that's what I did. For people like me who don't fully understand, I understand some of the, you know, some of the stats that, 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 that are pumped out to us, but for example, strokes gained approach, what exactly does that mean? It means, um, I, uh, it means strokes gain stats are like relative to the field. So if you're zero in strokes gained, um, in any, in any, uh, area of the game, that means you're like average, um, you were, you were average that given week for, um, for just proximities. It's all based on proximities of the hole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so basically I was hitting it close, um, this past week, um, consistently. So, um, that's what it basically means. You know, I've talked about this with a couple guys and you get proximity to the hole. And to me, proximity to the hole can be a misleading stat because, you're not always aiming at the hole. So if you're aiming 20 feet left and you pull it a little bit and you hit it close, your proximity to the hole stat looks better, but in reality, you didn't hit it where you were aiming. Yeah, that's true. Um, there's definitely times out there where pretty much the whole field may not be attacking the pin, but uh, at least it averages out to where um, the guys are hitting it still. So you're still, you know, you're just still guarded or still, um, you're still gauged by based on your peers uh, relative to your peers. So um, the stat is still, it still wouldn't lie to you there. Right now I did read something and, and this is awesome. Cause we, we had a uh, Kramer Hickok on a while back and, and Kramer had said he kind of did the same thing and it makes me feel better about my game. Trust me, my game is nowhere near, <laughs> nowhere near where yours is. But you said that you got two tips going into last week, one from your caddy and one from your fiance. And that those two tips made a huge difference to you. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, tips can come from random places in our game. It's a, it's a crazy sport, but uh, my fiance is an ex professional golfer. So she, she knows oh, the okay. game really well. Okay. So it, it, it may, it may seem a little weird or obvious, but she's really uh, in tune with the game. So, um, but, but still she, you know, she, she watches my golf and, as uh has ideas sometimes and i was just kind of having a little hissy fit on the range on wednesday and like throwing clubs and stuff and uh <laughs> and she like she got me straight she's like chill out you you're you're kind of all over the place with your head and your upper body right now and i'm like okay so she just kind of held my head in one place in the golf swing and that kind of got me my sling back and my momentum um going through the target instead of 
sometimes I kind of like to use my hands a lot in the golf swing and that got my, my body moving in the right directions. Um, and it was just the right sequence. My sequence was off. And so that, that, that one thought kind of got me dialed in, um, right away. And then my, my caddy really helped me with my driver swing. Um, I was getting a little narrow in the driver swing. Sometimes I try to use my hands, like I said, too much. And especially in the long clubs, as long as I'm using my body and my width, um, to move properly and, um, be patient in the downswing, then I, I won't get narrow. And, uh, usually if I get narrow, I'm hitting the ball, missing right. So, um, that, that, that those two tips like were, were huge for my week. Now it's funny. Cause you know, now that yeah, it changed you that week, but it doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean the next week it's going to work the same. Cause as we know, golf is the most inconsistently consistent sport that's ever been created. Absolutely. That's a great point Froggy. I mean, Every, every week, it seems like cycles of feels uh, run two weeks, maybe max. Mm -hmm. um, you're lucky if they run two, three weeks. So you, you, it's almost like your feels change and you got to have new thoughts. Um, that And I always like to play golf with uh, about one swing thought or one key in every part of my game. Um, that gives me confidence. So when I have more than one thought, it's not good. When I don't have a good thought to go to, it's not good either. So, um, that thought may still be uh, resonant this week, hopefully. Uh, but I also have, you know, three, four things that I kind of sl sling through every so often. I've got, I've got a few different thoughts that I use and I, it's almost like I interchange them. Yeah. I mean, it's weird that Kramer Hickok, when we had him on, he said that one of the things that he'd seen on YouTube, none though, I mean, literally he got his swing thought off of YouTube right before an event. And at the top, it was hold the pizza. And he wanted to, you know, to have some, some uh, flexion in his right wrist. And that helped him get his left wrist flat, have a little bow in it, but I mean, excuse me, a little extension in his right wrist. And so that's what he thought of. And he played really, really well. And, and, and it's weird how, the smallest little thoughts can make all the difference in the world. Absolutely. I mean, it's just such a silly game. Uh, like Kramer saw it there. Like you can find anything anywhere almost. And uh, it, you might, might just take it to the garage and make some swings and oh, wow, that might work out. <laughs> I mean, do you ever, I mean, do you ever do that? Do you ever see anything on YouTube or Instagram? Cause I mean, social media has been phenomenal for golf. I mean, whether it's swing tips or swing videos and all these high-speed cameras that are, are, you know, your iPhone now takes these great videos and the, the V1 app. Do you, I mean, do you, do you ever get anything off of any of these social media sites? Yeah, I mean, I watch a lot of Tiger highlights. So who doesn't? Um, the best of all time. So I, I like watching Tiger highlights a lot. But yeah, it's, it's certainly changed the way that even coaches coach the game um, in our profession, in our sport. And uh you can get a lot of, a lot of advice out there. So most of it's really good, but some of it can be maybe not so good too. Right. But, um, yeah, it, it's a lot of credible people that can get their info out on, uh, on the social media. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, like I said earlier, this is not your first year on tour last year was your first full season. And at the end of the year, you ended up back in the, uh, corn Ferry finals. Would you say that your mixed results were, were a result of maybe, the tour was not everything you expected. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I got off to a poor start my first half of the year on the PGA tour. There's no doubt about it. Um, being a rookie, uh, you, you certainly get enough opportunities to prove yourself, I believe. Um, but it can be hard though, uh, sitting at the bottom of the corn Ferry category where, where I was and, um, not getting to every event in the fall and just getting it off to an okay start. And then, uh, getting off to a bad start on the West coast swing, you're, you're kind of really behind the eight ball right away. And that's where I was. And, I was struggling in my game for sure, but uh, getting off to that bad start made it almost put the pressure up even more. So 
Um, and then I got hurt on top of that. So there was a lot going on for me in my first half of the year. Uh, a lot I learned about um, uh, patience, attitude uh, were two big things for me. And um, it definitely paid off in the long run. Um, all that I learned paid off. What would you say your best finishes were last year? I know you played really well at the U.S. Open, had a, had a T14. And uh, what, what other tournaments did, did you play your best in? And what would you, you know, what would you relate that to? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I played my best right after I had hurt. Um, I came back. My first event back was on the Corn Ferry Tour, actually. I lost in a playoff in Chicago. Oh, wow. After after that, I kind of went on a tear. On I was just I was just on a good roll of golf in the summer, early summer. I played. Try, I qualified for the U.S. Open and then played well at the U.S. Open. Uh, finished T fourteen there. Um, had a look. Uh, had I was close to the lead on Sunday, so that was a great experience for me. And then. At the Travelers, I was I was in the mix on the weekend too, and finished eighth there right right after the the U.S. Open week. So I was just uh, continuing my good play there, and the rest of the summer was solid. Um, but I ended up missing the last two cuts of the year to uh, miss my card by one point in the oh. end after all the live guys left. But I had four medical starts um, because I was injured, so uh, I knew I could bank on those um, even going back to Corn Ferry Finals. So I, I did get my card back at finals and I was in the corn fairy category, but then the first event in Napa, when I made the cut, that was big for me because I jumped up to the med major med category for the rest of the year. Now you mentioned the live guys going away. I mean, that that's a case where some of the guys who have left that's providing opportunities for more people to get on and show their wares in the PGA tour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, those live guys leaving definitely helped me. Um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, it did kind of sting in the end being, Point six points away from 125 so that was crazy but uh now, now you know looking back over the entire season because that's an entire season worth of points mm -hmm. is that a case of like one putt somewhere way down the road that that one put could that one putt have put you into 125 and you wouldn't have been point six points out oh yeah that's one putt on a sunday where i'm in t60 that's not even one putt where i'm near the lead because obviously the points gap is a lot bigger when you're closer right. to the top of the lead. So yeah, that's, you know, one point is nothing over the course of the season. It's so crazy. Is that, a, is that a learning opportunity as moving forward? And Hey, maybe that Sunday I'm like you said, I am T60 instead of maybe just mailing it in and just doing your 18 holes. Maybe, Hey, I save a shot or two here. It could pay off in the end. Yeah. You know, I'm not one to mail it in. That's for sure. I mean, I, I, I grind for every shot out there. Um, but it, it, it just shows you like, you just got to learn that. Look, one shot out there is nothing. And the, the gap out there is so close. So you really got to uh, just, you know, learn that you got to be alert and, and, and ready to play for all 18 holes out there. Yeah. I mean, it is a season long points race and that, that when it comes down to the end, that point six points is just a, a simple, it's not a 300 yard drive. It could be just a putt that just needed one more revolution from a T60. And so it's, it's hard to probably keep that in mind when things aren't going so well out there on the golf course, but realize that it really truly is important, you know, moving forward. And as you get towards the end of the year to keep your card and play the next season. Totally. Yeah. It's that it's, it's definitely, uh, it's still a learning moment there for sure. Finishing the way you did at the U S open and at the travelers, what, what does that do for your confidence? Because I'm sure when you're not playing well, it hurts your confidence and you're like, Hey, yeah, I wonder, can I play out here with these guys? But then you're here at the U S open, which is one of the, I mean, arguably the hardest setup travelers, you play well, how does that build your confidence? Oh, it totally does. Like I've always felt that the hard setups fit my game the best. Um, I just, I play really well on tough setups. 
on tough courses, but uh, at a stage like the U.S. Open, for me to have a um, be around and lurking around the lead on the weekend is huge confidence boost. Um, I felt prepared. I felt ready for it. I didn't feel like the moment was too big for me. Um, so going forward, that's going to be an experience that I really draw back on. You know, speaking of setups, you got you know tough setups and you got the easy setups. What is quote easier? A hard setup where par is a good score and you just hang around and that good or a setup where you know you got to go out and fire a lot of pins make a lot of birdies because the score is going to be super super low yeah you know that both are actually hard in hindsight like you just said um I, for me i i actually prefer the tournaments that winners are around five under um mm -hmm. just because it suits my game better currently i i'm working to be a better wedge player and short iron player um so that you know that those birdies come a lot easier on easier setups so that, you know, on, on easier setups, it is easier. So uh, the mindset of knowing you got to go low is, is definitely right. you have to point. make a lot of birdies because yeah. everybody's firing at the pins. Everybody's going low. And so you feel the pressure to score, 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 where those 500 tournaments, you're really kind of hanging around making pars a great score. Totally. Yeah. It's a mindset thing. And it's, it's, it's not easy. Like sometimes seeing off at two o'clock and the leaders already at eight or nine under. Right. As you, as you do move into your second year here on tour, are there, is there any way you'll prepare different or anything you'll do different from last year that you've learned after having a year on the PGA tour? Yeah. Patience. Uh, that's a big one. And now going into this year, I know I have a lot more opportunity uh, I'll play, uh, hopefully play a lot more than 21 events this year. So I have a lot more opportunity to get uh, the points needed or, you know, my goal is to to make it to East Lake in the, in the, the last event of the year. So I know that uh, I've got a lot of opportunity to do that now, but just the patience and the, I would say over a course of a season, um, staying more level um, mentally and not getting too high or too low is really important. Um, I'm, I'm going to have weeks where it's just not clicking, but I just got to be patient and know that, Hey, like, let's just build, let's build something for the long haul here. Let's build a, a nice stretch run of golf and um, just keep it in the big picture. Really. That's what I learned is really important. It's so easy to have mood swings so short. Yeah. I mean, it is easier. Are you, are you a guy that at the beginning of the season, like I know I'm a, a huge Justin Thomas fan as well. And when the season's over, Justin Thomas posts an Instagram post usually of the goals that he made for that season and what he wanted to do. And he usually checks off and, and they go very deep. Some are, you know, obviously win a major, get to the tour championship, win the players, stuff like that. But then, you know, improving strokes gained in putting or, or strokes gained around the greens or whatever. Are you a guy that writes down your goals so that at the end of the year, you can go back and assess, Hey, I did this. I didn't do that. Yeah. I think that's a really cool thing that JT does. That's a great thing to point out. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. Um, I, I think, uh, I'm definitely impressed by his goals as well. I, I write down goals just like that too, where it's like, Oh, win a major or actually more statistical goals. I think it's good to have all kinds of goals like that. Um, I do it myself too. I just kind of keep it more, uh, private, but, um, I just do, uh, I do, do definitely do things like that. Like I just said, like East Lake is definitely a goal of mine, but, um, next year, the BMW championship is in Chicago where I'm from. So that's just even more of a minor goal for me. That's at Olympia fields. Um, we played Illinois golf, played our home event there all four years I was there. So it's, it's, that, that's something that would mean a lot to me playing, playing in Chicago. Yeah. Speaking of Illinois golf, I think you and did, did you and Detry go to school together? We did. We were teammates for two years. Yep. 
Yeah, and you guys were both up near the lead this past week at the Sanderson Farms. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's, it's awesome having him out on the PGA Tour now as well. He's a great player, obviously, in Europe for many years, and now he's over here. Is that a bit of a comfort zone, playing with somebody like that, playing with somebody you played in college with? Yeah, very much so, and especially an older teammate like Thomas. He was uh, a leader to me, and uh, I learned a lot from him and uh, fellow another teammate that he was roommates with, Charlie Danielson, a lot, just how to go about my business. They were both very mature and very uh, impressive off the course, just as much as on the course. You know, Nikki, I'm sure you can talk about this because you've played on both tours now. You've seen what both tours have to offer. Speak to the depth of talent on both the Corn Ferry Tour and on the PGA Tour now, because there's been a lot made about guys leaving for live. And I'm not, I'm not saying the guys that have left weren't good players. They were solid players. Mm-hmm. But to me, the guys who have left, whether it's DJ, Bryson, Brooks, Reed, you know, some of the big name, some of the big names who have gone, Cam Smith, um, it's opened the door for the next Dustin Johnson. Uh, for the next Cam Smith, for the next great player on the PGA Tour. And I think that just the depth of talent on the PGA Tour is probably hard for the average person to recognize. Yeah, um, it is unfortunate having the game splinter like this and see a bunch of uh, great players for a long time go to live. But like you said, like the depth of, of fields on the PGA Tour now compared to, say, 20 years ago is just a whole different animal. Um, there's tons of players that can win out here any given week. Um, and then the corn fairy tour, like you said, it's just, it's loaded with tons of 22, 23, 24 up and coming year old players, uh, that are extremely talented. It feels like college events all over again. And then you got that coupled with a bunch of, um, great players that used to play on the tour who, who are maybe past their prime, but still great players. So the corn fairy tour depth of fields are, are getting even more loaded nowadays too. So I think golf is in a healthy place for, um, the PGA tour to be just fine with all a bunch of great young players um, always up and coming. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be somebody else that's going to rise out of the pack. It's just, I mean, there was a time we didn't know who Dustin Johnson was. There was a time we didn't know who Cam Smith was. There was a time when a lot of these guys, Brooks, they were the players of yesterday and they became the players of today. And so there will be other players that will take over. Um, but at the same time, the PGA tour has made some changes uh, to their events. And so now there's some elevated events and whatnot. And so speaking to somebody who is a a younger player, a newer player on the tour, do you feel there's a pathway for younger players, new guys to become stars, to become, you know, to get that financial windfall on the PGA tour? Absolutely. Um, I think the current pathway as it is, is great. Um, especially with where they're going, 30 cards on the PJ tour is awesome or on the corn Ferry tour to the PJ tour is awesome. Uh, proving it over a single season, I think is really great to be on the PJ tour. I think, uh, they're having the corn Ferry there to help, um, get you experience traveling. Um, doing a full season is really important to prepare you for the PJ tour. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to the tour, uh, I really do feel like you have plenty of opportunity to prove yourself and get into those upper elevated events. Um, I think, I think it's just a, the current construction is, is amazing. And that's why I love and support the PGA tour. I think it's just the best place in the world to show and prove that you're the best player in the world. Just it's a true meritocracy. And I think that's how golf should be played. Is there much talk about live on the corn Ferry tour? Uh, on the corn Ferry tour? I, I, I don't think so. Maybe, uh, definitely a little bit, um, chatter about it, just like on the PGA tour. Um, but you know, these guys on the corn Ferry tour, like 
they're 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 working to get the PGA Tour. I think their their goals and dreams still is coming out of college is to go play the PGA Tour. Are you were were you ever approached by Liv? No. You were not. Do you no. have you been surprised by anybody who, who who has gone? Um, you know, it is it is always surprising to see these big names and and a lot of these guys go to live. I um I think my stance on it is like I've always wanted to be a PGA Tour player and win PGA Tour events and win these events that have tons of history and meaning behind it. And I grew up loving and idling Tiger, Tiger Woods. And you see how Tiger Woods is a nonstop backer of the PGA Tour still. And um, yeah, that that's what motivates me is, uh, is Tiger and uh, winning the events that he won and winning the events that so many other greats on the PGA Tour have won. I think it's a, just a true meritocracy. Um, and that's what I support. I think it's, it's, it's great for the game that, um, the, the golf is played the way it's played. Um, and you just got to keep proving yourself year over year. And, um, I think that's, that's why, that's why fans love it. I think that's why fans love, uh, the PGA tour and love watching golf. It's just cause it's hard and watching the best players in the world continue to prove themselves year over year. It's, it's impressive. Yeah. I mean, the PGA tour is the best place as far as I'm concerned to play golf. I'm not a professional golfer. However, from the things that I've seen and, 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 you know, I just, I think the PGA tour is the gold standard. I think the, the live tour is an easy way out to get, to get money and, and probably not have to be as committed as you have to be on the PGA tour. That's how I see it as well. And, um, you know, I don't blame some of these guys that are older though, that have gone over there and traveled, you know, been traveling on the PGA tour for 20 years, have kids that are 10, 12 years old. And, you know, definitely, like you said, want to take the easy way out and take the guaranteed money. It's, uh, it's not really surprising to me, but it is, it's tough to see because, uh, there's definitely a lot of great players that are doing it. Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. Yeah, no, I hate to see anybody go and I hate to see golf splintered. Um, and, you know, Monahan said the other day that the PGA Tour and Liv will never work together. I'm perfectly okay with that. I just don't know that they can coexist. I think that something's going to have to give. I don't know how long Liv will stay in this game because I don't understand the business model of where is the return on investment. No matter how much money you have, you obviously want some return on your investment eventually. And right now, I, I don't see a return. I agree with you. Um, I'm, I don't see a return either. I don't see how it's sustainable. And I don't think it's good to have the go- game of golf in the hands uh, of uh, like the Saudis and they could decide, Hey, like we, we could pull the club or pull the plug at any time. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing is that now they're, they're talking about buying uh, airtime on, I think Fox sports one FS one, they're going to buy time. When is the last time in, in, I mean, my lifetime, your lifetime, anybody that we saw a professional sports organization buying time on television. It usually works the other way around. Yeah. Buy, the, usually the networks are paying me. Look what the network pays the PGA tour. Look what networks mm-hmm. pay the NFL, the NBA, major league baseball. Usually the networks are, they want to air your product. This is now a case of they are going to go buy time just so they can be on television. And if you look at their streaming numbers um, that they're getting off of YouTube, I know they say that those numbers aren't all there is. You can watch it on the website and whatnot, but the numbers are extremely low when you're talking worldwide numbers. We've got more people where I live in Jacksonville watching the PGA tour play than they have worldwide watching a live tournament. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely shocking. I, I, it's unprecedented that that type of deal is might exist. Um 
uh, yeah, I, I don't see how it's sustainable either. And I don't see how, uh, their product can attract golf fans as a, as a golf fan myself, that product does not attract me. No, not at all. And, and I, I, I commend the PGA tour on standing by, uh, you know, they drew a line in the sand early on in this deal and, uh, Jay and the tour players and the, and the, and the pack, they have stood by it. And I think that is it, you know, that's extremely, um, um, I can't, can't think of what word I'm looking for. That's, you know, I, I admire the way the tour has stood their ground. I agree. I I'm with you on that. I think, uh, the leadership has been good and I, 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 I'm not on the pack, but just so it seems like, I think, I think they're handling it well. Yeah. And I think that we've seen the most of who we, I think the the big names, the guys that are going to go have gone. Um, I don't, we may see some more couple here and there, but I think the majority of those who want to go have gone and the people who want to stay have stayed. I, I would agree with that. I think so too. I think I mean, if, if they were already, if they were to leave, they would have already left. Yeah. And I think this season will be a lot quieter. Like they'll do their thing, which I still don't understand. I want to play less golf, but now they're going to play 14 events and they want to play the majors. So now that's 18. And then you want to sue the tour to come back and play more tour events. So now you're actually going to play more golf than you played when you were like, just none of it makes sense. I'd rather them all just look me in the face. Like I forget who did and said, yeah, it, it really is about the money. And that's it really is. what it's about. Yeah, yeah. Just say it, you know, <laughs> it can't be about anything else. <laughs> I agree. So moving forward, how will we, uh, how will we see you play? Cause I know now you can actually kind of plan your schedule and, and, and play some tournaments that you want to play rather than hoping that you get in on an exemption or whatnot. Yeah. So I'll be at the Shriners this week. Looking forward to that event. Um, they gave me a spot to play in 2018 when I was fresh out of college. So always uh, feel grateful for that. And I'm really looking forward to Vegas this week. And then uh, I'll play Bermuda. I'll play my and I'll play RSM um, to finish. So that, that's where you can find me next. Nice. That's awesome. So you got some good events you can plan for. And like you said, you, you've played this event before. So how valuable is that in, in course knowledge and in preparing for the event this week? Yeah, it's very valuable. And it's another thing about being a rookie that's tough is like you're going up against guys who played these courses for 10 years and um, they're also the best players in the world. So uh, it can be a bit tough, but now having experienced a year under my belt and especially courses, seeing these, all these courses, it's certainly helpful. Um, huge advantage to have experience and knowledge and um, just feel comfortable. Right. Well, before we let you go, we do a, we do a thing called emergency nine. We're going to get a quick nine questions in and you just give the, some have something to do with golf and some don't have a damn thing to do with golf. So uh, you just no give me the first, first thing that comes to your head. Number one, what's the best golf shot you've ever hit? Best golf shot I've ever hit. Um, shoot. I, I it's gotta be one of my hole in ones. I, 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 I've had a hole in one of my favorite golf course. Actually, I'm wearing the shirt, um, Crystal Downs Country Club nice. up in Michigan. I, I hit a six iron, uh, just a low flight. It was dead into the wind, six iron, like a, only 150, 160 yards, and it went in the hole. And it was to this tiny green number nine that sits by the clubhouse. It's just, uh, it's a shot I'll never forget. That's awesome. Speaking of real quick, this isn't question number two, but I had a hole in one on a par three course a couple of weeks ago. And some buddies of mine said a, a hole in one on a par three course doesn't count. It does count, right? Uh, that's funny you say that. Cause I grew up on a par three course. I have 12 holes in ones on that par three course. So I, 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 I leave it up to people. Uh, hey, like when they ask me how many holes in ones I have, well, I have five on a regulation course and 12 
on a par three course. So the 17 count. Come on. You have 17 hole in ones. Well, I mean, it, yeah. do you count? Do you count par three yes. courses? I'm going to yes. ask you the question you asked me. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, great. I have 17 then. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you tee off from the tee box and the holes, I don't care if it's 80, 90 yards away. I, I don't care if it's 50 yards away. If you knock it in the hole, that's still a great shot. But on a par three golf course, 12, so 17 total, dude, I, that's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. That's for sure. All right. Question number two. Uh, what is your favorite sports team or favorite athlete? Uh, Tiger Woods, my favorite athlete for sure. And I'm a big NFL fan from Chicago. So I'm a bears fan. It's right. been uh, it's been misery, but I will, I will always support him. My wife's a bears fan too. So I completely understand. <laughs> I, I, I follow the Bears second. I'm a, I'm a Buccaneers fan. I'm in, I'm enjoying the last run with Tom Brady, but for some reason, this third season isn't feeling as good as the first I, two. I will share my other favorite athletes, Tom Brady being one of them, yep. uh, Michael Jordan, Kobe, yep. Kobe Bryant, all four of those. Those are my Mount Rushmore favorite athletes of all time. Those are the goats. Yeah. Nobody's done it better than any of them. Nope. Uh, uh, yep. Number three, your go-to food on the road. Chipotle. No brainer. You know what's funny? We get a lot of that. We get, I think uh, I had Cam Percy a couple weeks ago. Chipotle is the first thing that it's came just, out of his mouth. It's just easy. And when you're, when you eat a quick meal and it's reliable, you know what you, you know what you're going to get and you know, you know what you want. It's, it's easy. It is. And it's always consistent. No matter where you go to Chipotle, it's the same as the Chipotle you went to last week in a completely other different part of the country. It is. Guac's a little better on the West coast just because they don't have to freeze it all the way to Florida where you live. But right. uh, that's the only difference. Uh, most famous phone number in your cell phone. Uh, my dad, he, he always answers. Never, never doesn't answer. <laughs> Player that you'd be most nervous with to be paired on the PGA tour. Tiger. No doubt. I, about I, it. I knew you were going to say tigers to give you another one. <laughs> um, I've been, been paired with anybody yet that made you nervous. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, I've been, I've played with, uh, JT. I've played with Colin played with Victor. I played with Cam, Cam Smith. I played with, uh, I played with a lot of, a lot of great, a lot of great players so far. Um, I'm not sure. I honestly, I've kind of gotten over the stage of being nervous with them. Um, but I, I was certainly nervous playing with those guys. Who's your favorite person to be paired with on the tour that you played with so far? Um, favorite. It's, it's hard to say on the spot. Uh, just the best ones I just mentioned are my favorites just because right. their, their games are the best, obviously and the best in the world. But, um, I just try to learn, learn as much as I can when I play with them so I can, I can beat them consistently. I mean, when you're playing with JT, do you walk, are you walking down the fairway at any point and you're like, holy shit, I'm playing golf with Justin Thomas in the same group on a PGA tour event. Yeah. I, I, Does that happen? Uh, well, yeah, I Monday qualified into waste management a couple of years ago and that's when I played with him. So it was still early on in my career. So I was still a little like, uh, had that wow factor. Right. Um, so certainly like playing, getting to play with him on a weekend was, uh, was a blast because he, uh, he's just, a, he's a stripe show and yes. there's no holes in this game. That's a, he's a, he's a, he's a fun guy to watch, uh, in the gym, cardio or weights. Uh, I'm a cardio guy. Cause I, I do a lot of yoga and stretching. Okay. Good deal. Uh, music on the golf course. Uh, classical rock, Rolling Stones, Tom Petty, Led Zeppelin. That's my, that's my stuff. All right. And last one. If you, if you, uh, no, what's the dumbest thing you've heard from a fan while playing on the PGA tour? Um, 
you know, I, I love gambling. I love it for the sport too. Mm-hmm. But I, I, a lot of things are that people say that are dumb are related to gambling. Like, uh, I remember I was in New Orleans, New Orleans last year and I got up to this chip shop, uh, just in the right swell number nine. And, um, this guy's yelling at me cause he's got me to make bogey on this hole or something. And, uh, and he's just hooting and hollering and I'm just like, and I actually got it up and down. So I was proud of that. But, uh, you, hold on, hold on. so he tells you that he needs you to not get it up and down so yeah. he can make cash. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then you get it up and down anyway. So he doesn't make his money. Oh yeah. yeah Good for I, you, man. I, I, I took the high road. I didn't even point to him. I didn't even say anything. I just, I just did it. <laughs> But now were you feeling a little pressure? Like, you know, I want to make par anyways, but I really want to make par now just to screw that guy. You really got to have thick skin and just say, Hey, I can't control what these guys do. I I don't care what they think. And, uh, just focus on your job. I mean, golf is a sport where you are really so much closer to the fans than probably any other sport. I mean, they're right there, especially you hit one, you know, a little sideways, uh, you know, in, into the rough, they're standing right on top of you. So we have such a close connection with the fans in our sport. Yeah, we do. And that's what makes golf great. I think um, for sure. And it, it, it's something all these players deal with. It's not, it's not like I'm the only one who's heard that stuff. Uh, I'm right. sure players hear worse stuff than that. So it's, uh, it's part of the game, but uh, you know, that's, that's why we, you know, we get to play. It's, it's great. Right. Now, before we let you go, I do, do want to ask you one other thing. Where does, because I mean, you, you are absolutely one of the long guys on tour right now. Your current uh, off the tee, 313 yards is your average off the tee right now. Where does the power come from? Because you are one of the longer guys on tour and hitting it long, it has become the new norm. It's no longer, you know, a few years ago, 313, you would have been one of the longest guys on tour. Now I think you're 21st in, in, in driving distance, which is, is nothing to sneeze at. But where does the power come from, Nick? Well, for me, uh, I, I try to take good care of my body, number one, and, and eat healthy. Uh, I, a lot of guys out here do speed training. I don't really do speed training. Um, I just I, I make sure I swing with width, uh, swing with my body, and swing with a good sequence. Um, when I get off of my sweet sequence, I'm trying to pull down with my hands too much, and I'm not patient enough at the top of the swing. Um, a guy that I like to watch, actually, is Cam Young hit the ball because he just kind of gathers it all up at the top and just unwinds and unloads. Um, it's fun to watch for me because like, that's something I remind myself at the top of the swing too, is just to be a little more patient. Um, but, but I think speed training is definitely something that would help any amateur golfer. So when you say sequence in your downswing sequence, you means like hips first, not just yeah. unwinding with the shoulders and coming out over the top. Exactly. Once you pull down with your shoulders, like a baseball swing, you're done you're, you're going to probably miss, right. You're going to get narrow and that face won't have time to square up. So what I focus on is getting my uh, lower body working properly first and getting my weight into the left side earlier and efficiently. Um, not, not like pulling around, but just into my weight left side earlier in my lower body and then unwinding with the, with the shoulders. Who do you see? Who do you, who do you work with? Who's your coach? I've had the same swing coach since I was nine years old. Uh, his name is Brett Packy. Um, he's been amazing to me for my whole career. And I've also been getting a little short game help and, uh, wedge work help with, um, Gary Barter, who's my, my fiance's coach, uh, growing up. He coaches Matt Jones as well. A uh, long time, great professional golfer on the tour. And, um, so I've been, I've been getting help from him, but yeah, Brett Packy, he's been my longtime coach and it's been fun to have, um, the same coach for so long, just great dialogue. 
I still love the fact that your fiance is into golf so much that she could even like, you know, help you out on the range. I think it's, you know, it's, it, it never hurts to have another set of eyes on your swing. who can see what you're doing because we all know that in this game, feel and real are two completely different things. True. I mean, yeah, having her on the road almost every week is like a second coach. Like you said, she, she helps, she helps so much. Um, it's, it's hard to say like she, it's just, it's like a, it's my, my secret weapon. Cause there's not many other fiancés or wives that help their husbands out on the range. No, they're usually doing the opposite. They usually, <laughs> usually when they get back to the room, it's like, I've been dealing with these kids all day and you're playing golf. <laughs> She's actually helping you. That's exactly right. It's a good deal. Well, Nick, man, appreciate it, man. Good luck to you this year. Hope you have a great season and uh, we'll be following along. Good week. This uh, good luck this week at the Shriners should, should be a great, uh, should be a great tournament because the weather out there in Vegas is always great for golf. It's a little warm. They're probably cool at night now, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's nice waking up. It's only like 68, 70 degrees, but it's we're going to have great weather this week. That's awesome. Good deal. Well, best of luck to you, man. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. And thanks for being a uh, guest on the Stripe Show podcast. Thanks for having me, Froggy. Appreciate it, man. Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee, only roast, top quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here.